Hi, welcome to the Tell Me What You're Proud Of podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Maggie Perry. I'm a licensed psychologist with a doctorate degree in clinical psychology. I'm also the founder of the online group therapy platform, Huddle.Care. I love helping people overcome anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder, mood disorders, and stress. Please join us each week as we share real sessions with actual clients that reveal helpful techniques for effectively dealing with anxiety, OCD, mood disorders, and stress. We'll discuss what effective therapy looks like, sounds like, and feels like. We'll follow our guests as they overcome their biggest fears and find that despite their biological vulnerabilities, they can still live a rich, full, and meaningful life. My therapeutic approach is strengths-based and seeks to find and reinforce what clients do well to help them generalize those skills towards areas where they're stuck. My model for psychotherapy can be summed up as this. You tell me what you're proud of, and I'll help you become effective and happy across all areas of your life. Thanks for listening, and let's get the show started. Hi, this is Dr. Maggie Perry with Tell Me What You're Proud Of. In this bonus episode, I'm here with Dr. Jenna Sheftel, and she is a licensed psychologist in Oregon and Chicago at Chicago's um, Cognitive Behavioral Growth Center, as well as the Portland Anxiety Clinic. Today, Dr. Sheftel and I are going to talk about health anxiety, health anxiety in general, not specific to the coronavirus. If you're looking for medical advice, about the coronavirus. That's not something that we're going to talk about here, and you should seek out help from trusted sources like the CDC. So to get started, or in general today, um, Jenna and I are going to cover five topics. We're going to talk about unwanted intrusive thoughts and how they compare to worry, how the feeling of uncertainty relates to unwanted intrusive thoughts and worry, um, how do how health anxiety relates to unwanted intrusive thoughts and worry, and then options for how to respond effectively to both worry and unwanted intrusive thoughts. So to get us started, let's just talk about the difference between an unwanted intrusive thought and a worry. And where we start there to understand what's happening, we need to understand the anxiety state. So an anxiety state is a normal, natural, healthy, and adaptive reaction to a threat or a perceived threat. In the presence of a perceived threat, we have the fight or flight response. That includes an increase in heart rate, an increase in blood pressure, um, increase in muscle tension, your pupils will dilate and you'll stop digesting. As a consequence of stop di stopping digesting, blood rushes out to your arms and legs and some people start to feel tingly. You also have increase in muscle tension that can make you breathe differently and breathing differently can sometimes make people feel dizzy or a little bit fainty. You're not going to faint if you have those types of sensations. Uh, you're just having a change in CO2, which is not dangerous to you at all. So those are, that's the fight or flight reaction. And in the presence of the fight or flight reaction, we also have catastrophic thinking. So the categories of catastrophic thinking um, are variable within people's minds and depending on what the environment is and what the type of thing the person is afraid of, what the perceived threat is. Um, but today we're going to specifically focus on unwanted intrusive thoughts and worry and specifically how that relates to health anxiety. So when you're having a fight or flight response and you're having an unwanted intrusive thought, that thought is likely to feel unreasonable to you. It is different from generalized anxiety or worry because worry often feels reasonable. Two examples that I'll use is that a worry thought could be something like, what if I don't make it to that appointment on time? where an unwanted intrusive thought 
uh, might be something like against my will, what if I swerve into the lane next to me while I'm driving? And so that thought, that um, driving thought probably doesn't feel reasonable to you. It doesn't feel like something that's actually going to happen or something that you want to do or plan to do. But if you feel uncertainty while you have a thought like that, you're likely to want to do something to make it go away. Um, similarly, if you have the thought, what if I'm going to be um, to my appointment? What if I'm not going to be to my appointment on time? And you feel a feeling of uncertainty while you have that thought, you might have the urge to do something about that thought, specifically problem solve. And because that thought is a little bit reasonable, there actually might be some problem solving to do. Um, but there's also a component of uncertainty, which we're going to talk about um, in greater detail later. So Jenna, is there anything that you want to add to, or ways that you think about worry and unwanted intrusive thoughts that might be helpful for the listener? One thing that I think is important to know is that people with and without a mental health struggle, like anxiety or OCD, can both have worry and intrusive thoughts. Um, they can be experienced by people without a mental health uh, something raising to the level of a clinical mental health problem. When we know that um, intrusive thoughts or worry are at the level of a clinical problem is um, that they're, it's marked by the loss of functioning and intense distress that gets in the way of going about your daily life and doing the things that are important to you. Yeah, thank you so much for that clarification. And again, put it another way, uh, everybody has worry sometimes. Everybody has wanted intrusive thoughts sometimes. And whether we're in a sig uh, clinically significant range, as Jenna was saying, is marked by distress and loss of functioning. Uh, so we brought up the feeling of uncertainty and how they're related to both um, worry and unwanted intrusive thoughts. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about uncertainty in this time that is incredibly uncertain, uh, where there's not only us not knowing uh, if and when each of us are going to get sick, but also what are the implications of everything that's happening right now for our jobs, for our relationships with others, for the um, for culture and society in general. Um, and so, Jenna, do you want to talk uh, first a little bit about how you understand uncertainty and how uncertainty relates to anxiety? Sure. I understand uncertainty as a part of everyday life that we all struggle with, um, but for some people causes um, more discomfort, more distress, and more catastrophic thinking than for other people. So for about 20 or 30% of the population, uncertainty is less tolerable. Um, that's why uh, in our field, we talk about anxiety and OCD as the core of it being an intolerance of uncertainty. Um, to a stronger degree than, than the average person. Um, and so I would add that you're not crazy or weak yeah. if you're feeling uncertain. We, we know that there's some biological basis to whether or not uncertainty is very, very uncomfortable for you. So you might be finding that even though we're all hearing basically the same information and have access to the same information, some people feel a lot more uncertain um, about what's currently occurring than other people. And what we mean by feel is like palpably you can feel it in your body. When you start to think about um, anything related to what's happening right now, your heart might start racing, 
you're, you might start to feel tingly, your stomach might drop. And so you're, there's nothing, um, like, again, like crazy or weak about that. It just means that, uh, biologically you're having a stronger physiological response than other people. And it's likely that you're more, that kind of strong physiological response might make you more preoccupied than other people. And it might give you the urge to do something to try to figure it out. I like to think about it how, um, like how most characteristics are distributed on a bell-shaped curve, meaning that most people have an average amount and then a certain percentage of people are outliers, um, meaning some people have very little or, and some people have more. So if you think about height, most people are about average height and then some people are very short and some people are very tall. And anxiety is the same way. Most people have about an average amount of anxiety, meaning their body responds in an average, at an average level to uh, triggers or stimulus that um, bring up fear, stimuli that bring on fear, whereas some people have very little and some people have a lot. And those are the people, it's not their fault. They didn't choose it. They can't, um, it, it's, it's a biological um, distribution. And so it's just how their bodies were developed and you learn to manage it and you learn to get to know your body and know, oh, this is a thing that my body does and I have to learn how to interact with it. Yeah. And then um, huddle.care, my online group program, we talk a lot about accepting uh, your anxiety and your OCD. And we also talk a lot about shame. So just as, as a comment or a follow-up to what Jen is saying there, um, both shame and resistance to the idea that you might have a biological vulnerability that makes you more likely to experience anxiety as a palpable threat. Um, both of those resistance and shame can make it harder to learn to relate effectively to the reality of that biological vulnerability. So that can be, it's not just that you might be more highly sensitive, but you might also have shame about the fact that it happens in the first place. And so we're hoping to educate people on what's happening so that you don't feel as much shame and then you take the steps to help yourself out. So for our next topic, we're going to talk about health anxiety and how it relates to unwanted intrusive thoughts and worry. Um, And so Jenna, do you want to start with how you understand um, health anxiety in light of unwanted intrusive thoughts and worry? Yeah. So um, health anxiety is when thoughts about sensations in your body, possible future illness are much more eliciting of a fear response than it it is for the average person. So the average person going through their day will have intrusive thoughts about, oh, what if, you know, someone sneezes in front of you and you think, oh, what if I get that cold? Or, um, oh, did I wash my hands before I ate, right? You might have those thoughts and and think about what is that going to mean? But for the average person, those thoughts come and go without a strong physical response. And without a strong physical response, the, the negative catastrophic thinking doesn't take over and you can move on through your day um, and on to whatever you're doing in the moment. For individuals with health anxiety, those thoughts come and they um, come with a large physiological response like we like Maggie's talked about. And then the catastrophic thinking um, begins and 
um, the what if thinking begins and it uh, snowballs to a place where it's all you can think about. And then you become so uncomfortable that you want to engage in some sort of behavior to make yourself feel better. Um, and that's where we see some sort, some of the compulsions that go around along with health anxiety. For example, hand-washing or going to the doctor excessively or Googling excessively for quite, uh, answers about what you might have or what something, what a symptom might be. Uh, yeah. Another common um, uh, reaction is a lot of mental scanning of your body. So uh, many, many times a day scanning your body for signs that something might be wrong. Yeah, those are all really good examples. What what I would just add at this time is some. it sounds like some people can't stop taking in the news right. and media, looking on Facebook, looking on Instagram, just constantly, whether it's their health anxiety or uncertainty about some other topic related to what's happening right now, lots of people are distracted by feeling like they must hear everything that's happening um, in a very kind of urgent way. And if that's happening for you, you might consider um, capping how much time you're spending either Googling or um, Looking at the news just because it's likely that if you're feeling really uncertain and you're watching or reading because you feel uncertain, the more you do it, the more um, anxiety you feel. And and that actually works for all other content areas that lots of people Google and um, read in a way that actually gives them more uncertainty. In our field, we like to say that a natural reaction to anxiety is fight or flight, and that is a adaptive response when there is an actual danger. Uh, I like to say that when there is um, anxiety and you can't fight or flee because there's nothing you can actually do, we turn to fix and figure out. And I would say that um, Googling is an attempt at figuring out, right? If I can just get enough information, if I can just get all the information I can, I can figure out this problem and then I can make myself feel better. And so that is what I, if you're trying to figure something out with all your Googling, it's going on excessively, um, but it's not really solving a problem, uh, then I think that's a clue to you that you're engaging in a, in a compulsive um, maladaptive behavior. Yeah, and I would add the way that you know that it's um, a maladaptive behavior is you feel more anxious when you do it and you don't have a new strategy because of the new information you get. Um, great. Okay. Let's talk more about some more adaptive or effective ways that we can relate to both unwanted intrusive thoughts and worry. Um, so the, I'll just frame that up first and then Jenna can also add in. Um, so given that uh, where this all starts is the anxiety state. We start with the fight or flight, and then we have catastrophic thinking. In the presence of the catastrophic thinking, along with the spike of anxiety, we have the urge to do something to make it go away. And the more we try to make it go away, the more we teach our mind um, that that is in fact the threat. And the next time a thought like that shows up in our mind, we better do something to figure it out. And so what we want to do is kind of sacrifice the current moment for the future self. So in any given moment, 
you want to try not to do something to make your anxiety go away so that in the future, when you think the same thing, you won't have the, the urge to do something to make it go away, won't be as strong, and or you'll have the self-awareness and observation skills to see that you have more flexible options than just compulsively doing whatever your mind is telling you to do. Um, so in light of that, the first thing that we want to do is label the unwanted intrusive thought or the worry thought as an unwanted intrusive thought and worry. And when you do that labeling, what you're trying to do is cue to yourself that this is not a problem to solve. So sometimes people will say stuff like, oh, this is just my anxiety talking and that's why I'm avoiding or that's why I'm doing this behavior. And it's great that you have some awareness that that's anxiety and worry, but your awareness is not fully translating into a new behavior because if you were using that label as a cue to do something differently, then you might be saying, oh, my anxiety has shown up, my unwanted intrusive thoughts have shown up, and that's actually why I'm, I'm sitting here and doing nothing. Um, and I'm actually slowing myself down and not doing what my anxiety is saying. Again, specifically, to help out my future self, even if it's uncomfortable now. Um, Jenna, do you want any want to add anything to that at this point? Um, no, I think you've said it really well. Okay, and then so just to say a little bit more about your options for relating effectively. Put simply, it's don't just do something; sit there. Um, but to add a little bit more to that, you might want, you might need to find something to do with your attention. So if after you label something as an unwanted intrusive thought, with that label, you're really saying, this is not a problem to solve. This is just junk that showed up in my mind. And with that in mind, actually, listen to my first episode with Dr. Sally Winston, if you want to learn more about junk thoughts. And so once you decide this is just a junk thought, then you really um, are not going to do anything to fix or figure out what's happening and you wanna turn back into your body and allow, pay attention to and allow the sensations that come with uncertainty while you redirect your attention to whatever um, you're doing that day, whatever it is that you value. You might have a little bit of a split screen where the thoughts are still back there while you try to do the thing that you care about. But remember, you're not trying to have the best day of your life That in that moment. What you're trying to do is teach yourself that you don't have to listen to your unwanted intrusive thought and you can still do the thing that you care about. If you happen to be experiencing worry, not an unwanted intrusive thought, you're basically just saying, there's a little part of this that's a little bit reasonable. There's a little bit of problem solving here. And so you wanna ask yourself two questions if you think there might be some problem solving to do. First, you want to ask, um, is this a problem to solve? And so if yes, if the question is, what if I'm um, not, what if I'm not going to make it to my appointment on time? The problem solving might be, well, why don't I figure out how much time it takes to get to the appointment? So that would actually be some problem solving. But if you still had uncertainty then and like f fear and worry about whether or not you were on time, that then you'd have to say, okay, this is just my anxiety talking. This is just the feeling of uncertainty. I have my plan and I'm redirecting my attention to my plan rather than continuing to try to figure it out. So the second question you're going to ask yourself after you ask yourself, is there actually a problem to solve? And then how do I solve the problem is, can I solve the problem now? And so even if you can 
solve part of the problem, you might still have uncertainty because you, you can't solve the problem now. And then you're going to use the same skills that you used with unwanted intrusive thoughts. You're going to allow those sensations in your body and redirect your attention back so, to the present moment and back to the things you value. What a good example of being, being in a traffic jam and being realizing you're probably going to be late doing the problem solving of figuring out I am going to be late, you know, you use your GPS and then problem solving and calling the clinic and letting them know, but then still feeling anxious, but there's nothing you can do, right? Cause you're in traffic. There's nothing you can do. And so reminding yourself, I feel anxious, but I've done everything I can. I'm still uh, uncomfortable with being late and I just have to tolerate that in this moment because there's nothing left to problem solve. I totally agree. Is that so, what that would look like? Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. I completely agree. And so with all this in mind, we have we all have so much uncertainty um, in this time, and we just wanted to talk about it a little bit, um, hopefully to offer you some skills, some education, and some hope. I want to just leave you with some words of hope, or at least something that makes me feel hopeful. And I think that's that sometimes the most compassion the most compassionate thing you can do for yourself is to fall asleep and get to the next day. And so if you're, if you're physiologically feeling a lot of uncertainty and a lot of anxiety, I want you to just try to stay in the present moment, get as close to the present moment as you can and try not to do anything that makes it worse. If you can just fall asleep and make it to the next day, your body may be less sensitized and you're more likely to be able to relax. Um, can I offer, um, a self-compassion exercise that I cannot take credit for. It is uh, Dr. Kristen Neff, who is a researcher, um, what she recommends doing when you're feeling um, like you're in distress, but there's no problem solving to do. Absolutely. So what she says, she talks about it in her book, Self-Compassion, and um, the exercise starts by, again, labeling, noticing. You have to be able to do that, that you are in a moment of distress where there's no problem solving to be done. And then she recommends connecting with yourself physically in some way um, to remind yourself that you're there for yourself. And just repeating these statements, which, is, which are, um, this is a moment of suffering. Suffering is a part of life. May I be kind to myself in this moment. May I give myself the compassion that I need right now. And asking yourself, what do I need to hear right now as I'm facing this struggle? And I like to imagine um, a, a loving, not reassuring, but necessarily, but a loving um, energy answering that question. Um, some qu answers that I hear often are, you're doing the best you can. Um, your best is good enough. This will end. You will make it through this. Um, which is different than everything's going to be okay 100% or there's nothing to worry about, right? It's not reassurance or explaining that everything is going to go a certain way, but more so a loving voice saying, um, you're going to get through this and you can handle what this is bringing and you are, you are both strong enough and doing the best you can and that's good enough. Um, so again, 
this is a moment of suffering. Suffering is a part of life. May you be kind to yourself in this moment. May you give yourself the compassion you need right now and asking yourself, what is it that I need to hear right now as I'm facing this struggle? Thank you so much for that compassion um, exercise. We'll end on that. Thank you, Dr. Jenna Shaftel. Thank you, Maggie. Thank you so much for listening. If you felt any benefit from the show, please let us know and share it with anyone you think would also find benefit. As a disclaimer, please consult your doctor or therapist before attempting any strategy shared here. Thank you.